Hi, my name is Jared Dudley, and you're listening to the Solar Panel, a Phoenix Sun show. And on this week of the Sun Solar Panel podcast, of course, we have Greg Esposito. Ahoy, ahoy. But no Dave King this week, much to your pleasure. Just kidding, Dave. Uh, we do have likely the biggest friend of the show, the biggest friend of the podcast, filling in from the longest-running Phoenix Suns podcast, or so they say on their podcast. Uh, not sure how accurate that is, but I was going to ask you. Mr. Justin at So Says Jay on Twitter. Hey, guys. Thank you very much for having me, as always. I appreciate being a called being called a fan of the podcast. No, or, excuse me, a friend of the podcast. Also a fan, obviously. And as far as the longest running Suns podcast thing, like all of the research we do on Fanning the Flames, that was half-assed research, so it's probably inaccurate. But when did you, when did you guys start? This is this will be the end of our third season. Because okay. I think are- I think that always Sunny and PHX or Sunny and PHX, whatever they're called. Uh, I think that they've been going longer, but you know I don't know. I've never had them on the show. Never actually talked are- to. Them. Are we talking like one show consistently? Because I've been podcasting about the Suns for about eight years. It's just been off and on uh, on different shows. So. That that's what we were getting at was the consistency, <laughs> the 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 duration of time that we have been a show as a whole, as opposed to gotcha. I would in no way, shape, or form, Espo, ever intimate that I've been podcasting longer than you, my friend. <laughs> And how hard is it to believe that I used to do the official podcast of the Phoenix Suns? Nobody would buy that hearing this show. So it was uh, it was it was good, Greg. It was a quality production that really gave a lot of insight into the Suns. Oh, yes. I always I always gave you the most insightful uh, two thirds of the story that I could. So. So this is really important. We've had a bunch of people hit us up. If you normally listen on Spotify, all of a sudden your Spotify stream for us stopped populating. Uh, We've tried to fix it. Look, we are still on Spotify. All you have to do is go and search for the Sun Solar Panel again on Spotify and just follow the one that does um, post the new episodes. There's three on there. We're trying to take the two down that don't work anymore. But we are still on Spotify. If it's not working anymore, it's just because you're following the wrong one. So I, I feel really bad because uh, we had a listener all the way from Norway propose a question a couple of weeks ago, and I completely forgot to put it on the show. So he was so kind to hit me up again and remind me right before uh, recording this. So I want to uh, throw Morton from Norway a uh, shout out on the show. And this is kind of a long jumbled question, but it all makes sense in the end. So Justin and Espo, I want you guys to pay attention to the whole thing, and then we'll talk about it. Again, Morton from Norway, he said... Are the Suns really player development cursed? Do all ex-Suns players perform better on other teams? And what can we learn from this? Should we re-sign Bender if all the learning shows that he would probably be an all-star on a more professional team? Example, was it smart to let Alex Lynn walk? Has Eric Bledsoe played better in Milwaukee? And is Tucker and Dudley producing more on their newer teams? All right. So this is a tough question because there's no one answer that's going to be a blanket coverage for everybody. Uh, P.J. Tucker, if you look at his time here, 
actually went from a guy who was in Europe that had kind of flamed out in his one chance in the NBA to a quality player. So I'd say that was a win on the Suns player development side. Jared Dudley has become worse since he left Phoenix, and that's not because of leaving Phoenix. That's because of age. That's what happens to a guy who's uh, not extremely athletic but predicated on basketball smarts, and he got a little older, he got a step slower. Uh, that that's why he's probably not as productive. Also, the fact that he basically sat on the bench for two years doesn't help his uh, you know, doesn't help him play better elsewhere. Uh, Alex Len, I think it was a fresh start that did Alex a better. Uh, it, it did Alex well going to Atlanta. It's not like he's an all star. He's serviceable, which we all thought that's kind of what his lot in life was going to be in the NBA, but he didn't have to carry the baggage of, Oh, he was the number five pick for the Suns in Atlanta. He could just go play basketball where people didn't expect a whole lot out of him. If you want to look at a case where you go, Oh, they let these guys walk or one, one in particular, and he didn't all of a sudden blossom uh, Marquise, Chris, go look at Marquise, Chris, couldn't couldn't crack many minutes in Houston is in Cleveland not really doing anything so so it's all over the board it's kind of buckshot it, it there's no real answer has their player development struggled of course because they've had four four player development staffs in four years as they shifted coaches and and all sorts of things they've had, they're about to have their third front office in as many years uh, as well uh, so or. or yeah, third front office in one year, really, That uh, that's going to change the way they approach that as well. Uh, when it comes to Bender, I don't let him go because I still think there's potential there that was as much him trying to find his way and, and get over his mental hurdles as, as anything. Uh, so I think I'd keep him to see what I could do with a new staff, but I don't expect... I, if you look at it, it's not like guys are becoming all-stars when they leave. Bledsoe's played really nice, but he played really nice here. It was injuries that were the biggest question with him in Phoenix, and, and that bug hasn't bitten him uh, in Milwaukee yet. So the, the one thing that you should worry about when it comes to Dragon Bender is, does Greg Popovich get his hands on him? And other than that, uh, I don't think we're looking at a situation where he's going to become a multi-time all-star if he leaves but i think he's going to develop into a quality role player and we saw that friday night as he stuffed the stat line so i i don't know that i can really add anything to that that was an incredibly thorough answer as but i was trying to keep up with all the different questions i think tim i feel like you could have broken it up a little bit for us for us people that are a little more simple than espo but I, again, I, I think Espo hit the nail on the head. The example of Marquise Chris was exactly the first thing that popped in my head when it uh, comes to players who have left the Suns, who have not worked out, who have not improved. Uh, and Alex Len, he showed flashes of doing what he did in Atlanta this year when he was with the Suns. It was just something that didn't happen consistently. And I don't think anyone's going to look back and say, oh, they should have given him another shot. I don't think anybody had any objection to him leaving the team to the team letting him walk uh but ultimately I, I think this year we can look at it and see that there has been development with the players that are still here so even though there have been player development issues in the past like 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 espo said it's not as if people are leaving becoming multi-time all-stars and i think ultimately perhaps we're starting to see the end of those issues because even though some of the guys have come along a little bit slower throughout the year i think a number of the players, a number of the young guys on this team have shown improvement. 
Well, and you make a fantastic point. Igor, that's Igor's strong suit is player mm-hmm. development. So, uh, so you got to take that into account. Another guy, Archie Goodwin, uh, that didn't do Jack after he left as well. I mean, you could also, um, to Espo's point, the just being in a new environment helps. I mean, look at how Kelly Oubre has blossomed after leaving the Wizards. Yeah, fantastic point. Hi, my name is Jacob Bender, and you're listening to Solar Panel Phoenix Sun Show. All right, so I do want to take a second and thank our sponsors. For the show, we do have Valley Boys, valley-boysboyz.com, Premium Valley Boys Collection, shirts, hats, hoodies. We do have a link in the show notes below if you are watching on YouTube, then uh, it's in the description below. If you're listening on the podcast, then it is in the show notes. And we do want to thank a listener, Alvaro, for supporting the podcast. It really does go a long way. If you do feel like you get value out of this podcast and you want to help with a monthly donation, $1, $5, or if you do the $10 a month option, I will personally send you some sun swag. All you got to do is open the show notes below and you can go ahead and donate a dollar. It really does help. So thank you so very much, Alvaro. Listen, listen, so for this episode, we're coming up on the end of a very trying season. I got to be perfectly honest with you. So the end of the season, everybody's injured on the team. I'm like, I don't even know who the starters are for the game. Uh, My NBA league pass stopped working yesterday. And I was like, oh man, what a shame. I can't, I can't watch this. uh, I can't watch this game. Um, I, I got to be honest with you. I didn't care. I didn't care. I watched the highlights and I think I got everything out of it. You know, Josh Jackson ended up having a really big night. Dragon Bender was great. Uh, over time, the Suns won, yada, yada, yada. But we're coming to the end of the season. None of that's the point. Just going off on an unnecessary rant right here. So for this segment of the show, I came up with 10 statements that have blank answers in them. So blah, 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 blank and then, so there's the statement, right? So Justin and Espo, you guys have to fill in the blanks for these statements. You ready? So ready. And it's not rapid fire because I only prepared about eight of them and we need an hour's worth of content. So feel free to expand once the statement's been made. Well, crap. <laughs> we got to stretch. All right. Let's do this. All right. Starting this off with the Suns will trade blank player before the start of the 2019-2020 season? Espo. TJ Warren. Do you want me to expand upon it or let Jason answer? Justin answer. Jason. Jason. Justin answer is. Do you know who's on this podcast? I I pulled a Tim. I apologize, world. (laughs) My my dad, like within the last couple of years, has called me Jason, so... It happens all the time. Don't feel bad about it. I, speaking of dads, a listener assumed that I was 60 until he saw the YouTube <laughs> video. I saw that this past week, and that made my life. I was like, how cantankerous am I going to be when I'm 60 if people are thinking I'm 60 now? Tim, do you want do you want Justin to answer his fill-in-the-blank before we discuss? Well, I was hoping this was going to be a little bit more free-flowing without the, you know, the, the constant coming back to me for what I wanted it to sound like. I just wanted it to be a damn show. <laughs> 
Just just once, we will ask the question, and then we'll free flow. That's what. See, what that's what you, you get for is... trying to be respectful, Aspo. Uh, what do you think? What do you think this is? The Bill Simmons podcast? We're free flowing conversation. We need you, Tim, to direct us to, to figure out what the hell we're so, doing. So, Justin at So Says Jay on Twitter, host of Fanning the Flames along with Paul. The Suns will trade blank player before the start of the season. I was going to say TJ Warren as well, but for the interest of not just repeating Espo yet again, uh, I'll say Josh Jackson. And so that is interesting. So, you know, we all talk about how Josh Jackson is on a rookie scale. That rookie scale for Josh Jackson's contract is actually fairly high, roughly making about-ish the same amount of money as a TJ Warren so why would the Suns trade a Josh Jackson or a TJ Warren um, over the other? It's clear, at least to me, that you have more in TJ Warren than you do in Josh Jackson. And if you're trying to be a good team, TJ Warren would be the player to stay with. I don't know that that's necessarily true, though, because you don't know what you have in Josh Jackson. You know what you have in TJ Warren. Well, we now. know Josh You've Jackson seen all the dunks, a lot of them. We know that he's shooting around 41% around the rim. You know, we know that he's kind of wild. We know he doesn't really I, help you win except for like two out of every 80 games. Right? And you and you know that he's played two seasons in the most dysfunctional situation in the NBA and in, in recent NBA history that you remember. So I, I think the answer to this question is you're trading a small forward, especially if Kelly Oubre is in your future plans. And if he's not, you're idiots. So... So basically, you're trading a small forward, and I think what this comes down to is who can you get more value for? Can you get more value for TJ Warren as part of a, pack, a potential package, or can you get more value for Josh Jackson on, on a in a potential package? And I think it depends on who you're dealing with. Because if you're dealing with a team that's looking to develop long-term, they probably look at Josh Jackson and go, "I." It, it's the... It, it's the bad boy syndrome, right? It's 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 the person there, or, or bad girl. It doesn't matter. It's the person that looks at, at at the individual they may date and goes, "I can fix them. I can make this a better, more palatable situation than the last one. I, I can do this." That's what other NBA teams and M other NBA GMs, if they're in a situation where they're trying to develop talent, are going to look at Josh Jackson and go. I, we can fix him. We can make him the player that he was supposed to be when he came in. If it's a team that's looking to win now, TJ Warren's probably the more palatable situation. So I, I think one of these two is probably gone, and it depends on who you're dealing with and who comes to the table with the most interesting offer. Yeah, and I think it does depend on what the team you're dealing with wants, but we, we kind of talked about this on the most recent episode of Fan in the Flames, and that is who has more value at this point between Josh Jackson and TJ Warren. And obviously we know this year TJ Warren learned how to shoot a three-pointer. Is he going to get that 250 grand? We don't know. Probably not. It's not looking like it, but I don't know. We'll see. Beside the point. But what we also know about TJ Warren is he's constantly out with injuries. And how much is that going to affect his trade value? I mean, he hasn't played, I think, more than 60-something games in any of the seasons that he's been in the NBA, or maybe one season he did. Um, with Josh Jackson, you have a guy who apparently only likes to play basketball after the turn of the new year and then likes to regress as he goes into summer and then the first part of the next season. At least that's the pattern we've seen so far. But at the same time, this season, especially over the last month, all of a sudden he's 
stroking it from three. He's showing development. He's showing improvement. And I could see a team out there looking at him saying, okay, if we're, even if everything else is equal, if they're saying who has better value for us as an organization to trade and get from the Suns, I could very easily see a number of teams thinking that it's Josh Jackson because he has shown improvement. I think what he needs to do is play within himself as opposed to trying to do every little thing on the court. And and like you said, Tim, getting kind of wild. Um, and ultimately, he doesn't have this significant injury history that TJ Warren has. So I, I could see a number of teams, like I said, taking a shot at the upside, being more interested in that, even though they for all intents and purposes, know what they're getting in a TJ Warren. Uh, ultimately, if it wasn't for the injury issues, I think TJ Warren has clearly far more value. But that's a big question mark, at least from my perspective, and I would imagine it would be a big question mark from the perspective of other NBA teams. There's a world where they both get dealt, too. Yeah, yeah, uh, that could happen. Um, TJ Warren, his, inaug- his inaugural, his uh, rookie season with the Suns, he played... 40 games, um, sophomore season, 2015-2016, he played 47 games, 2016-2017, he played 66, followed up by 65, and then dropping all the way down to 43 this year. He did shoot 43% uh, from three on right around five attempts per game. So hey, there is not a weirder injury history than this guy, too, because it's not normal injuries. It, it's mm-hmm. just bizarre crap that happens to this guy, too. So I, I don't know. Play him in a football helmet. Put him in a bubble. Whatever the, falls a lot. the case may be. I mean, be. that's the thing about yeah. T.J. Warren. Like, every time he goes to the rim, you know, he's, he's falling. It's like, I, that's got to take a toll on your body. Well, it obviously has. And some weird things, too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, how I wish we could get into the weird things. <laughs> There are some bizarre things with TJ Warren's injuries. All right. The second most impactful player for the Suns this season was Kelly Oubre Jr. Kelly Oubre Jr. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a step back. I don't think that uh this one's tough because there's three guys that, that come to mind when you say that. And I'm actually going to go with one that is probably a little off the board for a lot of people. Mikhail Bridges. His his defensive impact uh, and the fact that he just did the little things and is one of the le- league leaders in steals uh, under the radar, but I think he was probably right up there as number two most impactful son this year. Yeah, and, and I'll stick with Kelly Oubre Jr., uh, even though he was with the team for only part of the season, I feel like the impact that he had right when he came in was felt not only by the team itself, but by the fans. Before he even played his first home game as a Phoenix Sun, it was as if he was already one of the fan favorites. He ingratiated himself to the fans right away, and you could tell that he really invigorated the team with the energy that he brings, the positivity that he brings, uh, and and frankly, the optimism that he brings by way of example, you see the comments he made a few weeks back about wanting to be here, wanting to start a dynasty here, something that you don't hear mentioned with Phoenix sports franchises, at least not as of late, very much, if ever. And again, it really seemed like the entire culture of the team changed once Warren got, or excuse me, once Ubre came on board. He really invigorated the team and the team won, I think, 12 games since he came on 
out of the 19 that they've won this season, which I think is is telling. We actually did the numbers the other night when we were recording, and I think their win percentage, their or at least their pace of wins after the trade was something like 24, 25. So, I mean, not exactly franchise altering, but that's more than the 19 wins or so they'll end up with this year. He's, he's no Dylan, Aaron, Brooks, and Dunn, you know, like whoever the hell they were supposed to get, but but he's done a pretty good job. So uh, One thing we will not know because we aren't within the team like that, but the impact that Jamal Crawford had on the team this year, um, that could have been more impactful. We just, we don't really know, but I think that at the beginning of the year, uh, at least I know for myself, there was uh, a little bit of like, why would he sign Jamal Crawford? This isn't a good signing. Uh, you know, he's a 38, 39 year old shooting guard who just chucks it, can't play defense. He's not going to impact this team. But I think there was value in having his voice uh, on and off the court this season. Well, well, you thought it. I actually voiced that out onto Twitter and got Isaiah Thomas to call me out uh, on on it. And then I had to eat my own words because Jamal Crawford has actually been decent for this team. So embarrassing for sure. And you're right. I think he probably has had a large impact in that locker room. But what about one other guy? Tyler Johnson, right? He shows up and he's finally the... Wow, that almost... If you're watching on YouTube right there, it looked like Tim just turned Justin's camera. <laughs> that totally threw me off. <laughs> uh, uh, and so, and so uh, what about Tyler Johnson, though? He shows up, and you have uh, serviceable point guard play, and they go on a run, right? Uh, it's not like, again, not an earth-shattering run, but they, they looked like a team that got you excited about where the future is. I mean, there's probably an argument to be made that Tyler Johnson was the most impactful son, even in the very brief time that he played. I think what Tyler Johnson showed us was that if you put a serviceable point guard on this team, they can be a lot better, you know, <laughs> it's like night and day. Funny how that works out, huh? Yeah, right. What a concept. <laughs> as if as if we hadn't been uh, saying that on every Suns podcast uh, for the last nine months. I know, but we got to see it. We got, we were like, oh, this team actually isn't as bad. Uh, if you just have someone that's not a rookie uh, second round draft pick running the point, you know, who to, who to thunk it? Um, all right, next. Everybody. Next statement. <laughs> Blank will be the general manager of the Suns at the start of next season. Oh, see, this one's tough, right? Because I think there's two things that are going to happen here. It's either they're going to they're going to hire a new general manager, and and James Jones is out, or they're going to hire a president of basketball operations, and James Jones is basically he's going to have the option to stay, but as G, quote unquote GM, but it's going to be insignificant because the president of basketball operations is going to be calling the shots. My guess is. By the time we come back on this podcast next week, James Jones will oh, be officially be the general manager of the team. I don't think they're going to wind up. I don't think they're going to wind up going outside. I think this uh, Kevin McHale, Jim Pax, and all that was a smokescreen to say, "Hey, look, we looked at other people, and James is the guy we're committing to long term." Yeah, I, I agree with Aspo. I think it's going to be James Jones, and I think they will bring in. Sorry, I thought I just heard something. <laughs> I think they will bring in somebody that's a little more experienced to perhaps be a president of basketball operations, something to that effect. 
uh, and the Paxson McHale thing certainly does absolutely reek of hey, we don't want another we don't want another Earl Watson type situation coming o- along here where everybody just absolutely lambastes the the organization for having zero search whatsoever. So in the very least, they you know someone within the, within the team calls up Mark Stein goes hey Mark. Um, just put out there that we talk. We're, we're interested in Kevin McHale and Jim Paxson. Cool, at least so that they can represent to people that hey, we did a search. It wasn't like the Earl Watson thing all over again. We learned our lesson, but we're sticking with James Jones. And I, I again agree. I think it's ultimately going to be him. I mean, he was brought in for a reason from day one. As it is, I think everyone kind of thought it was to eventually succeed McDonough and and step into the GM role and I don't see them changing their course at this point especially in light of those being the couple of guys whose names have actually been floated out there following that up with James Jones blank deserves the GM spot absolutely or not at all two extremes Mm -hmm. um I mean, if I have to choose between those two, I'll say absolutely. Because I feel like not at all is a bit harsh. I think it's somewhere in, in the middle. But, uh, you know, he, I've pointed to this before, and 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 that is he was dealt an uh, obviously an awkward situation when he came into this uh, with Ryan McDonough being fired, what, eight, nine days before the season, him being a co-interim GM. But I think the moves that he's made have ultimately worked out perfectly fine for for the Suns, I, I can't sit back and look and say he did this wrong. Now you can complain that he didn't get a point guard, but then you have to look at the market and what was available. Well, no, he he did and... get a point guard. He traded Ryan Anderson, a guy who couldn't play, um, <laughs> you know, for a combo point guard that could play. Right, right, and I was thinking more along the lines of a traditional point guard because, like you said, combo. But but at the same time, I mean, there even the one thing that I looked at that I could see as a negative. Thank you, Tim maybe isn't that much of a negative. So, I mean, I think ultimately with the hand he was dealt, he did a perfectly fine job. And that doesn't sound all that impressive, but I think as Suns fans, you kind of have to take everything within within the, uh, you know, within the realm of context that we're, we're dealing with here. Why does James Jones get all the credit for, for deals that are, are, are completed? Because there is another half of that equation in Trevor Buckstein, who actually is supposedly the basketball mind, the one that is looking at players and numbers and figuring out how to accomplish this, where James Jones was supposedly the one that just was supposed to smooth over player relations. That's my problem with this, because we don't know how much was James Jones in the deals that went right, how much was James Jones in the deals that went wrong. I have my suspicions, having... Uh, known at least one half of the equation here that I think James Jones may have been more of the confusion in that uh, first deal that went down than than Trevor Buckstein because Trevor is a very detail-oriented uh, human being and I don't think that uh, I, I don't think he was playing front man on these calls but I, I don't think he was the one that got confused on names uh, just a sneaking suspicion on my part but uh so so how how does this work? If James Jones gets hired, is Trevor Buxton again his assistant? Does Trevor Buxton go away? And then do we lose half of what actually made uh, made James Jones okay in the position? This is a very convoluted 
uh, problem here. And I don't know the correct answer. Can you go with co-GMs uh, moving forward? Or do you elevate Trevor Buckstein to like a vice president of basketball operations in charge of XYZ, uh, where James Jones holds the GM tag? I, I don't know. But t- to fill in the blank, James Jones, eh? It deserves the, the the GM job. I have no real clue. Probably not, because I've. If you listen to the interviews, I'm not 100 percent sure he wants the GM job, and that scares me more than anything. Because you kind of need a guy that really wants to be heavily involved in building this team moving forward. Uh, I don't know. I, I look at it, and the thing that bothers me the most is you see a report this week that uh, uh, that Dave Griffin interviewed with the Pelicans. And you're like, that's the guy that makes the most sense out of anybody mm-hmm. to have this job. And the reason he probably won't is because Robert Sarver won't apologize for the way crap went down when uh, when Dave Griffin left. So so that that this is a complicated situation, I think, ends with James Jones uh, as your general manager. And I'm not sure whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I will find out real quickly, though. The weirdest thing to happen for the Suns this season was a report coming out that your owner let goats crap in your former general manager's uh, office. That was pretty weird. Uh, I mean, this this is like, hey, here's a poo poo platter of weirdness that you get to select from. There is no wrong answer in this in, question, pun, right? Pun intended. Exactly. Pun pun, pun intended. Uh, spelled differently, but pun intended. So. Uh, uh, so so I'll take I'll take the goat crap for 500, Tim, uh, and and you can go ahead, Justin, and give me your thoughts. I I mean, I I want to say having McDonough fired, you know, eight nine days before the season, but I guess we've seen that before. So does it really qualify as weird? Perhaps it can still be weird, even if it's kind of a pattern. Um, but even with the history of, and that was typically with you know, head coaches, but even with that type of history being with this organization, I still think that was an incredibly weird move because you have a guy who was the GM for, I I don't know how many years it was, but throughout the entire course of his time as GM, he was working towards building this team through the draft. They're tanking. They're looking to get the guys that McDonough wants in place. McDonough picks Aiton. And then when he's finally at the point where you would think, okay, now this is truly McDonough's baby. This is the, um, this is the uh, roster that he wanted to put together. He has it. Boom, he's out the door. So I think in light of all that buildup to this season and all the fingerprints of Ryan McDonough's on the team for him to be fired just before the season started, albeit something that perhaps wasn't shocking, it was perhaps the weirdest thing that happened at least that comes to mind right now well and the pretense that he was fired because it's time to win and then you're still the second worst team in the nba so i don't know how neither of you went for the the brooks trade because somehow that that's become normal in my head after after dealing with that and everybody's so quick to give them credit for acquiring kelly Oubre, uh even though they forget it was it was an accident that they got Kelly Oubre because they wanted some some version of a Brooks that they uh, that they didn't get. Like that, that. Okay, that is weird. How about the fact that uh, supposedly your general manager on draft uh, draft day had a deal 
for the point guard of the future and Shane Gilders Alexander, and then gets undercut by your owner uh, to to then trade for uh, Mikhail Bridges, which worked out okay, but that's another weird situation. Like the whole thing, the whole year just fits in that weirdest thing to happen to the Suns. I mean, Igor. I was just going to say we might be able to say the past eight years have really fit into the weirdest thing. But and, and what's the true. what's the common denominator in all of this? Wait, uh, well, yeah. And at what point who, who does it not become with this weird? Team all this time during all of these weird situations. Al McCoy. That's, that's right. Hey, actually, speaking of Al McCoy, <laughs> was uh, the Suns' final home game of the season? Was that also the last time Al McCoy? Uh, we'll be announcing, uh, doing the play-by-play for the Suns. Uh, it could be his last home game. I don't know. There was a report that came out in The Athletic from Scott Bordeaux that was hinting towards uh, it's Al's last season and trying to say that you know it might be uh, his last year. I don't know. I mean, having known Al, having been around him, uh, he usually has no idea until a month or two into the summer is usually when he makes the decision if he's coming back or not. So I don't know that Al even knows right now, but 47 years of doing it, he's eight with the Suns, he's 85 years old. You know, at some point, he's at least got to seriously consider it, and I wonder if this summer's it. But but he by the end of, of these tough years, he always sounds a little a little downtrodden. So I don't know that I put a lot of stock into what Bordeaux said, said, but if it is, uh, you know, a, I, and I tweeted this pretty appropriate that his final home game comes on the day that a movie called Shazam is released. I think that's a, that's apropos, uh, that the little known fact, uh, Al's Shazam call was actually, uh, came from the comic book Shazam, which is what the movie is based off of. So fun fact there for you. But so if it was his last home game, it seems apropos. But uh, I don't know. I I would hate to I would hate to see it be his last game without any of us knowing it. But that's Al's style. He doesn't want he doesn't want some final season good goodbye farewell tour. So maybe maybe we have seen uh, the last home game from a legend and. Uh, and Al uh, has meant, and if he retires, we'll have a, a much longer episode on this, I'm sure. But Al has meant an immense amount to me personally. He was the reason I wanted to get into this business originally. Uh, he was kind enough to uh, talk with me when I was younger trying to get into the business. Uh, he was kind enough to let me write a feature on him when his book came out. And then he was kind enough to semi-mentor me in my five years with the sun so it will personally be a uh, uh a sad day when he does hang it up for me uh, so that's kind of my thoughts on the situation I, I i have absolutely no clue whether it'll be his last year i didn't know he was 85 i mean he was up there but you got to think at 85 he's seriously got to be thinking about doing it at this point like as i said he's been in, in in the business and with the team for so long and i mean Obviously, he's been calling Suns games since I was a kid. It's the only voice that I know when it comes to Suns radio, really. So if he does 
then we have nothing but you know gratefulness for everything that he's done for the organization and and him being that voice that that consistency that constant that's been there um over all these years um and you know again i have no idea but uh if he does good for him enjoy a little time away from the team perhaps and not having to call every single game um and if he comes back for another year or another two years or whatever it might be then I'm not going to have obviously an issue with that because then I, I love listening to the guy call the games. I have I have an irrational fear with this, to be honest, guys. It, is that the point that the Suns, in my mind, die a bit? Because Al, Al is the last thing that really connects me personally to why I still root for this team, why I still have a passion for this team. And it's that past. It's my youth. I think that's a reason why a lot of us still root for a team. And if when Al walks away, does a large enough portion of that die in me that I, I start to question more of it? Because Al has been that, that, that constant voice, that constant tie through every single part of it. So it makes me wonder about that and it's probably irrational i know but it makes me wonder so <laughs> i'm gonna leave that one alone i'll just i'll let, I'll let you deal with that internally espo <laughs> i i just i just dropped a lot that uh you probably uh none of you wanted to deal with my psychosis but uh there you go the solar panel podcast where we have irrational love for anyone drafted by the suns in the second round Dragon Bender will be the backup five for what team next year? Also, this is important and it's something that we haven't really talked about yet and we're going to talk about coming up, but the Suns will have roughly only $7.5 million in uh, cap space this offseason. That's with the Rashawn Holmes uh, and uh, Kelly Oubre cap holds, and that's assuming that they keep the draft pick and assuming that draft pick is number two overall. So obviously that could go up or down slightly, but that's about what they're looking at. So Dragon Bender will be the backup five for what team next season? Hmm. That's a tough one. <laughs> you know, I, I'll just say, I hope, I hope the Suns find a way to keep him. I think he's shown enough. It's not like an Alex Len situation last year. Um, when Alex Len was, it was clear he was not coming back. I certainly wasn't sitting there going, oh, man, you know, he started showing some things, maybe a little bit more time. He could he could, you know, turn into a serviceable player on this team. And obviously, he's turned on to, into a serviceable player on another team. Doesn't mean I'm missing him. Uh, but I, I think Bender, especially over the last, you know, month or so, couple of months, has really started to show flashes. He's starting to maybe gain a little bit of confidence, which I think is perhaps something that he was lacking in his first few years that was holding him back a bit. So if the Suns can find a way, notwithstanding the cap issues that they might have to, to bring him back, uh, I, I think it's something they absolutely should do. So I'll say the Suns, back of five, back of four, starting four, whatever it might be. Um, but uh, I, I do want to see him back if it's something that is achievable for the team. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm stranded on Bender Island, and I'll be here for probably the rest of my NBA-loving life. So I really hope they find a way to bring him back. And let's be honest, it's not going to cost that much, even with cap 
uh, issues. It's not going to cost you that much money to bring back Dragon Bender. It's not like anybody's backing up the Brinks truck and go, please, please take 30 million over three years from me right now. No, that's not, that's just not going to happen. So, uh, it depend. It's probably going to depend on is Dragon most where's Dragon most comfortable? Does he want to be back here? Does he want to go play somewhere else? Does he want to go back to Europe? There's a chance he wants to go back and play in Europe and not in the NBA. There's all sorts of factors. But if uh, if I'm the Suns, it's a guy that I mo- I really want to see what Igor can continue to do with because you've seen flashes of of aggressiveness that you haven't seen. You've seen flashes of of playmaking that, that you haven't necessarily seen. Uh, the one thing you have not seen is him make three-pointers, and that's the most bizarre thing about this entire Dragon Bender experiment is that was supposedly what he was one of the things he was best at, and the guy can't hit a three if his life depended on it, and it's a little weird uh, to me. And I, the, my biggest fear is he goes somewhere else that dam breaks and he finally starts connecting on those and you go, uh Oh, maybe they did make a mistake because now his offensive game makes more sense. He's got that aggressiveness and he's doing the, uh, the things like blocking shots, rebounding uh, that, that you thought he's never going to be the value of the number four pick. Like you thought he might be, but, uh, uh, but I think he's definitely going to be serviceable in this league and a guy that can be a weapon at least off the bench because of how versatile his game uh, looks like it's starting to develop into. So, yeah, I would, I'd be hesitant to let him go. Uh, Dragon Bender, last season he shot uh, 36% from three, to your point, Espo, down to right around 21% this season. But off the top of your guys' heads, what would you guess around about is it Dragon Bender's two point percentage this season? What it what is two point percentages? Yeah, fifty three percent. Justin's frantic. Forty nine percent. Nope. Uh, Dragon Bender's two point percentage this season seventy three percent. Oh wow! I knew I should have gone with one tenth higher instead of. Five lower. I don't know. Last season is uh, two point percentage, forty two percent. So while he has regressed in one area, he has significantly improved in the next. All right. The Suns. Can I can I really quickly interject? And I, I'm I'm I just want to say this. I'm happy we didn't bet on that, but I do have a bet that I need to pay yes, up on. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. I didn't know if you're going to call me on it or not. I forgot. I didn't want to jump in and you know step step outside of my lane, but I figured. We're we're getting deep into the pod here, so I probably should. So I have I have my pink curtain, okay, and it's really warm, so that's probably a good thing that I haven't been wearing this the whole time. But I will shroud myself in it because I lost that, that bet, and I will go ahead and remain wearing this for the rest of the episode, if that's sufficient, gentlemen. And what again was the bet that both you and Espo lost? That they'd only—I I don't remember what. I think it was right before the the the, the streak that they'd only win three more games the rest of the year, uh, and uh, and we both lost. Or I think it was less than five, uh, or over five. And Dave picked over five. We picked less than five, and we both had to humiliate ourselves on the podcast. And and it happened like 
we lost that bet within, I think, maybe a week and a half of making it. Yes. So shows how far off we were. Hey, you know what? Fine. <laughs> to, to be honest, though, if they don't, if they didn't have that bizarre streak, we would have been right there. Like they, it's not <laughs> like they, it's not like they turned it on and have been uh, one of the NBA's best teams in the last uh, handful of years, uh, or handful of weeks. They, they had a good week and a half stretch, and then they it went felt came like- back. It felt like it was kind of fate. So maybe before next season, Espo and I have to bet Dave that the Suns won't win an NBA championship. And uh, hey, I'll take it. <laughs> whatever, whatever works. Whatever works. The Suns will not. Let's let's calm down on the championship. But let's. Uh, the Suns will not make the playoffs next season. We'll do that bet. Uh, just, <laughs> Start baby steps. Okay, that's fair. Eighth seed gets swept in the first round. Just for my sanity, please. All right, the Suns will retain what shooting guard to back up at Devin Booker next season? Jamal Crawford, Jimmer Fredette, or Troy Daniels? None of the above. They, they will not keep money. any of those guys they, for next year. They don't have any money. I don't know where they're going to get another damn shooting guard from. Well, they're going to all three of those you're going to have to pay. Yeah. Or not. I take that back. Jimmer, Jimmer has an option. The other two do not. They are free agents. So if you're basing it on the cap constraints, Jimmer Fredette may be your answer just out of the fact that it's the only option that you can control what you're paying and that may be palatable. That doesn't make it right, but uh, it may be the business decision you make, which is terrifying because he is awful. Yeah, those those, those options are not ideal. Um I, I'm surprised Jimmer's still on the team after the whole Utah fiasco with him uh, deciding that this was the Jimmer show when Devin Booker's sitting on 59 freaking points. So maybe the fact that they kept him even after that is indicative of the fact that they recognize that there are some cap restrictions that they have coming up here this offseason. They recognize that they need somebody to, you know, at least be somewhere down the line in the depth chart at the two and and perhaps they're thinking well he's a body he's cheap we can keep him around but you know i think they can also you know with the with the guys that they have and obviously we've talked about how jackson or warren will be gone at some point even with that they have, have enough wings if only one of them goes i they have enough wings where they can kind of interchange those guys between the two and the three as well i think and allow some of them to get you know whether it be bridges or um, you know, Jackson get some, you know, backup minutes or at least, you know, play with the second, um, the second string, uh, to, to, to fill in behind Booker when, when he gets his, you know, few moments of rest, uh, throughout games. So we've hey. skirted around this a little bit coming up. We have about 10 minutes left on the podcast. Three more questions. We'll get through them all. The Suns will have roughly $7.5 million in cap space this season and with it, or this off season, I should say, and with it, they will blank. Do absolutely nothing. And uh, I, how do you, first off, how do you wind up in such a crappy cap situation when most of your roster consists of guys uh, in their early, early twenties? Now I get Devin Booker's extension kicks in, so that's part of it, but you look at it, and how did you? How in the world are you in such a bad cap situation? Now Tyler Johnson's deal doesn't help. 
I mean, he's he's going to no, make roughly that, that was, twenty that million dollars. That was really Brandon Knight's deal. So you know, that's where that money is. Right, but they're still I paying for Brandon Knight essentially. Couldn't you have paid and bought out and stretched those guys? I don't know that you can do that with Tyler Johnson at this point, which could have eased your cap situation. I just, how does a team this bad have that bad of a cap situation? Then you've got James Jones. If we're assuming he's going to be the GM, he's out there saying, I want to get five free agents in all likelihood. I'll get three, but how are you going to afford that with such, such little cap, right? There's not, there's not, unless you're getting really crappy free agents would say, Hey, by by all means, go get a million Ray Spaldings. I'm excited, you know. But I, uh, you know, at least we have the heir to the Spalding fortune on this roster. But uh, like, I just the the puzzle does not make sense. You've got all this money that that's tied up. You have no no availability. I don't know what you can do with your current cap situation that's going to have any impact on next year. They need a point guard. They need they need a power forward. All right. And there's a good chance. I spent a lot of time this morning on tankathon, right? Uh, dot com running their simulator. And you know the scary thing? I got the number six pick and the number four pick a hell of a lot more than I ever got one through three. So there's a good chance you had a, a pick that you're not all that excited about, uh, that you're not going to be able to fill one of those holes with uh, that an impact guy. And then you have no cap space. So what in the world are you going to do to fill those holes? I just did Tankathon. Uh, number one, Memphis. Number two, Dallas. Number three, Washington. Number four, New York. Number five, the Cavaliers. Number six, Phoenix. And that happened to me numerous times this morning. So this could get ugly real fast. Sorry, now I'm doing Tankathon. I just did three times. Best I got was third. So I got three, four, five. Next should be two than one, obviously. But um, yeah, the cap situation obviously is problematic. I, I could see them making a move uh, to, to try to free up some of that cap space, although they'd have to obviously bring somebody back or make a move uh, using that um, Johnson contract to you know fill in any any necessary salary cap space with you know to, to obtain a point guard or at least an established NBA player that would be serviceable on the team, something to that effect. Uh, it seems like, though, going into this offseason, we should be looking more at what they might be able to do trade-wise using some of the bigger contracts that they have, like I said, like a Johnson, uh, to get what they need as opposed to looking just at you know the free agent market or perhaps doing a sign-and-trade, something to that effect. But if we're looking at strictly from a cap perspective, uh, assuming that they – keep uh kelly Oubre, which again i think everybody absolutely feels they need to do uh it, it the the room's just not going to allow them to really make any significant move obviously but james jones has said he doesn't believe in in trying to improve your roster via trade i mean he's so, waffled on it a bunch but god i just this, all, this is going to be weird it's all misdirection espo he, he doesn't want any he doesn't want to he doesn't want to reveal his hand too early come on <laughs> the suns will blank their draft pick this season <laughs> well f up is the first word that comes <laughs> it's a phrase that comes to mind but i think it's probably trade because if you're not one or two 
I think they deal this pick to try to fill one of those holes along with maybe a Josh Jackson or a TJ Warren to get you a point guard or get you a power forward that that is in his prime or at least closer to his prime than a rookie would be. So I think that's really what we're looking at here is if they're not one or two, if they're not Zion or Ja, they're out. And then then it'll be what does the market look like for for that pick and who's realistically available. I will say they will use their pick to select Zion Williamson. Ooh, because I, I, I come from the podcast of optimism. Remember that, gentlemen. It's as we kind of talked about it and talked about it before. But he's like, "How are the Suns in this bad of a cap situation with all these young players?" And that is something that, uh, with the new CBA, high draft picks actually cost you a lot of money. Um, they are not the cheap rookie deals that they used to be, unless you happen to hit it big with somebody um, that you're drafting 13th, 14th, 15th, etc. Yeah, but they still don't cost you as much as a high-end free agent would cost you, so somehow you still have managed to mess up this math along the way. Uh, that is that is very true. Which, by the way, we should mention, I know how disappointed everybody is. The Bucks pick is not going to convey this year. That, that thing is like... <laughs> mythical at this point like it's mythological it's this mysterious bucks pick that we're always constantly talking about and pan, pining for is uh is supposedly just never going to convey is what i'm feeling like i think that's just what's gonna gonna happen i think it converts in 2045 if, with no restrictions if so uh, next year if it keeps going next year's top seven protected and that's when Giannis will blow at his knee the bucks will be awful and they'll <laughs> keep the picks <laughs> Welcome, welcome to the world of, of being a Suns fan. You got to constantly figure out how how is this going to go sideways? How is this going to go off the rails? Igor's first year as a head coach was tumultuous, but in the end, I think a success because uh, in terms of he was brought in here to help these young players grow, and I think we saw that we saw progression even from Devin Booker, but DeAndre Ayton, as the year went on, got better. Uh, you look at uh, you look at Dragon Bender, even he got better. Uh, so I think he accomplished what the main objective of what he, to come in here was was help these guys start to develop. Nobody expected him to be a winner this year. Nobody expected him to to change the game completely. But you saw with Tyler Johnson, even his offense makes sense when you have somebody to run it. So I think. Was tumultuous is the right word, but with with promise as well. I think it was acceptable. Uh, like you said, Espo, we didn't expect the Suns to come in and and suddenly turn into you know a forty plus win team. We obviously had a head coach coming in who had head coaching experience, but not NBA head coaching experience. Granted, obviously a lot of experience in the NBA um, as an assistant, a guy who's known as a dude who can develop players. So we were expecting to see progress, not expecting to see 40-something wins or 30-something wins. I don't think maybe we were expecting 19 wins, but hey, it is what it is. Uh, but he's started to show that he's getting through to the players. I think there was concern about effort, effort and his motivational abilities earlier in the year. At least from my perspective, there were, it seems like those, again, from my perspective, are starting to be alleviated a little bit, those concerns, because the guys have been performing better. They have been working harder. Uh, at least it looks like that. And it seems like Igor is getting his 
feet under him as an NBA head coach as well. I think early in the year, you were looking at some of the rotations he was running, some of the playing time he was given players, and at times it got confusing. But it, it's, it, it appears as though as the season has progressed, he's starting to figure it out some. And because of that, again, I would say acceptable. I would say it, it, it's been a success. Uh, I'm not disappointed in him. I think people that are you know saying, is he going to stick around? Should he be the head coach? Need to just like be quiet. I'll say that but, gently, but go on. But there's a chance. I mean, to, let's be honest. A new general manager comes in here or a new president of basketball operations. <laughs> he may be gone simply because they want their own guy. By no fault of his own here. That's the only way I see that happening. Otherwise, it, it makes no sense to run a guy after one year like that. It's not like the Cardinals with Steve Wilkes. Uh, There's been promise that has been shown, and this team hasn't turned on Igor. In fact, I think it's the opposite. They've embraced Mm -hmm. him. Uh, Well, they went out and won that game when all those uh, rumors were that Igor loses this game tonight, he's going to get fired, and then the Suns went out there and they kicked some ass. Yeah, Yeah, and I think even if they bring in – a different GM, a different director of basketball operations, whatever it might be. Even if they want their own guy, they have to look at the perspective from the perspective of we need to give these players some continuity. I mean, Devin Booker is a budding superstar and he's on what his fourth coach since he's been a son. Mm-hmm. You've got Josh Jackson, who's in his second year and on his third coach. That's not going to help the situation. And even if you want your own guy, if you can if you can sit back as that GM or director of player operations and say, Igor's doing a good job, even though I want my own guy, I need to have some continuity here. I, I, I need to give him the opportunity to allow this team to grow, to succeed, uh, because otherwise we're starting back where we started at the beginning of this past season. And it, it, it's going to, well, drive, I think, that person and all of us fans a little more crazy than we're already being driven. I had a buddy of mine ask me this hypothetical, right? What if you could trade Igor and Josh Jackson, uh, and it was one other. It may it may have been one other piece. Uh, I think it may. I think it was one other piece to the Lakers for Walton, Lonzo Ball, uh, and and something else. Would you do it? And I was like, well, why would the Lakers do it? And he goes, because if they're going to get rid of Walton, uh, actually getting rid of Igor would cost them significantly less, uh, and and they might want to get off a of ball. And I was like. All right, now you got me kind of intrigued. I don't know how trading coaches works, but uh, I'd consider it maybe. <laughs> well, Doc Rivers was traded, uh, which I didn't even realize you could trade coaches. Like, I did not know that was a thing. Uh, he was traded. I think they got a couple of second-round picks for it or something. It was a, yeah. It's a weird thing that you can trade coaches. Uh, and the fact that you can trade coaches, but that just never happens is also strange right. to me. I give everything up for one year of Greg Popovich. Turn us around, Pop. <laughs> man, man, he's getting frustrated. He is. Uh, he's getting kicked out of games recently. Uh, well, it was. It was. I would be personally shocked if Igor was not the coach at the start of next season. Yep. Tim, do we have one? Do we have one more fill in the blank here? No, no, we have no All more right. fill in the blanks. I have one for you. Ooh. And I'll, we'll wait Ooh. until he can actually uh, focus on it, which is fine. Uh, by the way, pink looks really good on you, Justin. I just want to say that for those of you that Thank are listening you. via via your podcast, I, I recommend heading to YouTube just to see Justin dressed in pink. It, I, it, I it, screenshotted it, so I'm going to tweet it uh, out. Uh, that perfect. way everyone can uh, that isn't watching on YouTube, that is just listening on the podcast, they can follow us on Twitter and they can see Justin wearing his pink curtains. 
I hope you get See, the Photoshop treatment like I did with the Jonah Hill. Uh, uh, that was outfit. hilarious. That was like the best well, day. Well, on I don't Sunday know Twitter. what they put next to me for that. <laughs> so, so Tim, I have a fill in a blank for you. Huh. Today's episode was blank without Dave. Uh, episode number one hundred and twenty-one. <laughs> oh, how diplomatic! Played. Uh, we miss Dave. It's never the same. Justin does a great job at filling in, and we're happy to have him. At so says Jay on Twitter, uh, host of the Fanning the Flames, the longest running, the longest tenured Phoenix Suns podcast. Allegedly. All right. By the way, Justin, uh, I think we're going to have to do some kind of mega live uh, draft lottery night because I think fans need to see what our faces look like when inevitably we get punched in the groin and get number six. So. You, 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 I, you, I was on a Suns commercial for my draft reaction last year. Do you guys know I, that? Yeah. I know. I know. Well, when I cry and scream expletives, I don't think I'm going to wind up on a commercial next year. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Well, maybe. For the team that gets number one. Like. Or or for the show. Maybe we'll just do a commercial of me crying and screaming some kind of word that I shouldn't be saying uh, into a mic. Ooh, so. Question. If the Knicks get number one and they offer the Suns the number one pick in exchange for Devin Booker, should no. or would the Suns do it? No. Nope. No Zion for no. Devin? No. no. You know, no. you know what you have in one commodity, and you're taking a complete chance on another. Did we not learn that with uh, DeAndre Ayton this year? The the number one pick doesn't guarantee that it is necessarily the best talent. I know we'll see. DeAndre Ayton could develop into that, but too many questions in in a draft. No matter who is at number one. Yeah, I no, just no, no. <laughs> and on that note, we do appreciate you watching or listening to the sun solar panel podcast. If you do want to support the show, open up the show notes or click on the show description below. If you're on YouTube and go ahead and give us that $1 a month, a donation, we'll make sure to give you a shout out. We do appreciate it. Mr. Justin, Mr. Espo. It's been nice potting with you. We will have Dave King on the show again next week. Always a pleasure, gentlemen. Thanks guys. Cool. You just got done listening to the solar panel for more great sun's content. Check out the timeline podcast for stuff like this. There's no way that Hakeem Olajuwon makes his own pancakes. <laughs> I'm really sorry that you just made a great coherent point and that's all I had to respond with, but it, all it did was lead me to look up the fact that Hakeem Olajuwon made $110 million in his NBA career and God knows how much since then. He easily has someone at his ranch to make his pancakes, right? That's The Timeline, a Phoenix Suns podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. 